Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I was also encouraged not to show emotion, not to be too, and quote, unquote, too emotional. You want to cry, but then you try so hard to suppress your, your, your crying and then saying, I didn't cry, right? I didn't cry. And that was, for me, in a way, being proud of myself not to cry, right? But because I was too emotionally sensitive, I could feel the pain of my parents. I could feel the pain of my siblings. And all of those, it, they were just too much for me. And the only way that I could find was to become a rational person because I couldn't bear, I couldn't tolerate feeling everybody's pain. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls and the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives and what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives and that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you you What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are? Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything 
to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome. On the Heal Vlog this week, don't miss my post, Healing the Latina Mother Wound with Michelle Gomez, Mother Wound Healing Expert. Whilst Michelle works primarily with Latina, Black, Indigenous, and women of colour, her tips on healing the mother wound are relevant to all of us. The link is in the show notes. This week, we are talking about a word that we hear on the daily right now, authenticity. And we hear it, I think, a lot because we are starting to understand how much our parents and grandparents and therefore ourselves have never been taught to live authentically. My guest this week is Dr. Sajad Vahedi. And since childhood, Sajad lived as a version of himself that he created to fit into the expectations of his family, just like we all do to some degree. The messages were be strong, don't cry, don't show emotion, be pleasing and do everything you can to fulfill the expectations of your parents. Sound familiar? Sajad describes himself as an emotional child, but he learned to turn off emotion in order to survive. Turning off emotion meant that Sajad learned to become what he describes as a logical person. When you disconnect from emotion as a child, it changes who you are and you present to the world as someone different, an inauthentic version of yourself. You can no longer be yourself or connect with others as your true self. How can you when you're not connected to how you feel in every situation. It also means you will get into relationships with the wrong people because the people who like you are drawn to you for the wrong reasons. You might become a people pleaser and even completely lose sight of what you need. Dr. Sajad is a relationship pattern expert and he now works with clients to teach them how to show up as their authentic selves. And if you would like to work with Dr. Sajad, use the code MYBIGLOVEPROJECT2023 and you will receive a 10% discount off his services. Please join me now for Dr. Sajad's story. Dr. Sajad Fahedi, welcome to the podcast. You are a relationship pattern expert and you help your clients to break their toxic relationship patterns and show up as their authentic selves so that they can build and maintain healthy, intimate relationships. You've been on a journey of healing yourself, which you describe as initially more intellectual rather than connecting emotionally. We're going to dive into the authenticity piece soon. But first up, let's take a look at your beginnings. You grew up in a family with seven siblings. What was childhood like for you in such a large family? Thanks, Don, for having me again. I'm excited for our conversation. Yes. So for my childhood, I, as you mentioned, I had one brother, oldest brother, and uh, six sisters, and then I'm the youngest one. And when I was a child, I was very observant. I was very tuned and a very emotionally sensitive child. 
I, I realized this later on. And uh, when I was looking back at my past, I didn't know at the time. And being sensitive, emotionally sensitive, and also observant, I was closely looking at my sisters and my brother and my, my parents and understanding what they're doing, what, what are then each of them, they have their own personality, they have their own characteristics. And I was observing those and learning. And that is, I believe, one of the biggest part of my life, just being in the family and seeing and living with people with different personalities and they have their own weaknesses and strengths. And also being loved and supporting the family. And that is big part of what made the person that I am now. And so the reason that I believe that I was more logical person was that the person that usually becomes later on logical person, if they go through diff- difficult times and painful experiences, because they cannot tolerate their survival mode kicks in and they shut down their emotion and become logical because that's more bearable. That's much much easier to tolerate that pain. And the same thing happened to me. I believe one of the biggest first events that happened in my life was my dad's illness. And when I was around 19, 10 years old, and my mom, my dad get uh, ill, and that changed our whole like family's life. Financially, in a way, having more difficult time, my parents with each other, their relationship, and also our family, like tension went up. And that was the beginning of going through difficult time. Whenever I'm in trouble, I shut down my emotion and think about what can I do to fix this. And since then, I was always thinking in my head that how can I solve this? What can I contribute to this family? In my own term, in my own thought, like as a little boy, I felt personally responsible. I felt that I need to do something about it. At the time, it was too much for me as a child to think about solving the problem that, that was out of my control but turning myself to a logical person, very rational person who doesn't let himself to feel much, rather think about and always busy solving and thinking about the solution and solving the problem. And that was something that led me to become a very rational, logical person. Mm, absolutely. And I'm interested in this idea because I hadn't thought of this before, that when we're born very sensitive we become more like a thinking person in order to rationalize the feelings. Is that is that what you're saying? Because that makes a lot of sense, actually. I'm going to use two extreme examples. Like you, if you live in the family that you're, of course, like everyone goes through a difficult time, but if you're in the family and if you have life experiences in your childhood, that is not too painful or you are allowed and is encouraged in the family that you express and you show your emotions and it's accepted. Those expressing those emotions are accepted. In that case, you will become a healthy child who can feel, express, and live through that emotion. On the other hand, if you go through a difficult time, that's one thing. And on top of that, if you add the family culture, family structure, that those emotion expressing and understanding, becoming aware of your emotion, is not encouraged at least, or it is prevented, or it's ridiculed, 
or it's not uh, something it's ideal or value in that family, then the choices that you have is that either you have to feel and then you will be rejected and abandoned from the family or that life circumstances because it's so painful, or you abandon your emotion to be able to cope with that situation. For an adult, adult has the capacity, capability to experience that emotion and still survive. But for a child, it becomes stress and fear and pain, painful experience and emotion becomes too much that can threaten their survival. Mm. So the only way that they have, that the only solution that they have is just shut down the emotion to be able to survive. And the other way, the other side of the coin of shutting down your emotion is becoming a logical person. And so as a small child, were your emotions shut down by your parents? Is that what was happening? Or were you doing that for yourself because you found it uh, a way to survive? I believe it was both. And in our culture, in my family, it was more of men don't cry. Men should not be too emotional. And my sisters, like some of them very emotional people. My mom was emotional. But for men, it wasn't accepted. My dad was actually also a very emotionally sensitive person. And he was in a way different than his brothers. Like he sometimes would cry, which was in a way strange or abnormal in our culture, especially in his generation. And to some, to that extent, I was also encouraged not to show emotion, not to be too, unquote, unquote, too emotional. And my brother tells me this story that he took me to get my vaccine. And I, I don't remember that, that story as I was too little. And my brother tells me that, like, I told you that, Sajad, you're, you're a man, you don't cry. And then we, we go there and then you get a shot and then you, you want to cry, but then you try so hard to suppress your, your, your crying and then saying, I didn't cry, right? I didn't cry. And that was for me in a way being proud of myself not to cry, right? But because I was too emotionally sensitive, I could feel the pain of my parents. I could feel the pain of my siblings. And all of those, it, they were just too much for me. And the only way that I could find was to become a rational person because I couldn't bear, I couldn't tolerate feeling everybody's pain. And it must have been confusing because you've got six sisters and you're saying that the sisters were allowed to be emotional and so they're showing their emotions. It's hard when you're supposed to be like a, a small man, really. You're supposed to not mm -hmm. show any emotions did you feel like your parents had a lot of expectation that you do certain things as a, a man in your family? Me being observant, me being sensitive, what other people went through was basically putting a lot of expectation on myself. And later on, I realized that basically as much as I was attuned to the emotions and the experiences that my parents were going through, I was also sensitive to any expectations that they had of me or my siblings. And whatever they had expectation of my siblings, I took those personally. And I said that if they expect them to behave certain way, they must also expect me doing this, those things as well. And that was on top of to become a little man in the house or how men should behave. Yes, all of them, basically, I took them personally. I took responsibility of 
meeting my parents' expectation of a child of a man. And it's still sometimes now when I, whenever I'm not aware, whenever I don't pay attention to my experience and emotions that I'm going through, I put myself in that pressured situation that I have to behave in certain ways. But then I have to come back to myself to become aware of what experiences I'm going through and whether it's this expectation is reasonable. Do I want to have that expectation of myself or not? Is it authentic to myself or is it something that I believe that other people expect of me? And there's a lot of guilt and shame involved with that, isn't mm-hmm. there? Because mm-hmm. when you have a lot of expectation, you feel that you're never able to meet that. So mm-hmm. we do end up feeling a lot of shame in ourselves. Yeah, you're on the never-ending, no-chance-winning cycle that you have a high, high expectation of yourself and you try to meet that. Before meeting that expectation, you have another, the next level expectation of yourself. One of the ways that I use schema therapy to help my client to break those toxic cycles, toxic behavioral pattern in their life, one of the schema or life pattern that people repeat is having unrelenting standards, having high standards, unreasonable standards of yourself. And if you mix that and combine that with another uh, schema, is which is punitiveness, then you're in a bad situation that you have high expectation of yourself, which is a voice that you've internalized from your parents in your childhood, that nothing that you do is good enough. And then once you don't meet that expectation, your punitive schema turns on and then it punishes you, criticizes you, and beat you up for the expectation, which was unreasonable in the first place. And then after that, if you don't meet, you're going to punish yourself for it. And you're in this spiral, dysfunction, and unhealthy cycle of yourself that you have unreasonable expectation that you know from the get-go that you're not going to be able to meet it. And then once you don't meet, you're going to punish yourself. There's a lot of guilt, feeling shame, feeling unworthy, feeling that you're not good enough. That goes into those schema and or life trap or life pattern or whatever you want to call it yeah and I think as as children we do mold and shape shift ourselves into this version of ourselves that's good enough for our parents and it's almost like the beginning of a a double life isn't it because we Mm -hmm. we are showing this completely inauthentic version of ourselves and we we start that as children we shut down our emotions and we portray what is expected of us. But it is like living a double life because our real selves are trapped inside and that's where the inauthenticity starts, isn't it? We humans are too vulnerable when we're born and too dependent on our mom specifically and our parents in general. And our survival depends on our mom and not being abandoned by our mom. Mom is much more important because she feeds us. She takes care of us more in most of the time than our dad. And that dependency, our survival is in pleasing our parents, our mom, 
so they won't abandon us. They won't reject us. And we will do whatever it takes, even if it's it, it means sacrificing our true self, our authentic, authentic selves. We will do it to just survive. The problem is that when we are little, when we are five years old, when we are one year old, we truly depend on our mom to survive. But when we are 20 years old, when we are 30 years old, 50 years old, we are not anymore depending on our mom to survive. But we still keep repeating the same pattern and behaving in a way that we are truly depending on our mom or the other people that we replace our parents, our partner, our boss, our colleagues, our friend. We behave in a way that our survival depends on those people. We don't do it consciously. We do it unconsciously and through our emotions. Logically, everybody knows that their survival doesn't depend on their partner. And that's when we show dysfunction and unhealthy behavior or pattern in our relationship, in a romance or in our career, with our boss, with our friends, and keep repeating the same pattern with our parents even after we're, we're an adult. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a lot of what you do in your work is helping people in those relationship issues that come from really being authentic because we go into important relationships in our lives. We might marry or be in a long-term relationship and we're not even right from the beginning showing up as our authentic self. And that's a recipe for disaster really, isn't it? Because you can't function that way for very long. When you are not comfortable, one, when you don't know who you truly are, because you never had a chance to explore, the, re- the way that a child figures out who she or he is, is through exploration, through trying and error, making mistakes, making silly and dumb decisions. And through that exploration, the child understands and discovers who she is. But if you didn't have that chance, or if you were not encouraged to do that, or if you were punished, if you did that exploration, then you abandoned part of yourself or your whole self. And the reason that, and what you learn implicitly and in a very profound way that in order to be accepted, in order to be loved, quote unquote loved, you have to abandon yourself. And when you grow up, you start a relationship. This is your approach. This is the way that you see the world. This is the way that you see any relationship. That to be accepted in that relationship, you have to abandon part of it. If you're adventurous and you feel that your partner is not adventurous, you will abandon that part of you. You will hide that part of you to be accepted by that person. If you are someone very career-oriented person, but if you feel that your partner doesn't like that, you will abandon that part of you to be accepted. And then what happens is that throughout after a period of time, you have abandoned who you truly are and showed completely different person to that partner. That person, your partner is loving or is in a relationship with different person than you. And you know that deep down. You know deep down that you are not who you are in the relationship. And you know that you have abandoned yourself. And that may lead to depression. People who abandon themselves, who doesn't show what they want, what they prefer, what they like, what they dislike, 
after a while, they are not present in the relationship. Their needs are not met because they are not ex expressed. Their, their partner doesn't know what they want. And because of that, they will become depressed. Or sometimes if someone is more aggressive, more disagreeable person, they will become angry. They will become resentful toward their partner. Either way, it's dysfunctional. And their partner, they, they were not responsible for this. The person himself or herself abandoned himself to be accepted without their partner asking them to do so. But they did it because that's how they saw a relationship. They learned that taking yourself to be accepted through their childhood experiences. It's just, well, I'm not good enough as I am. And so I need to do a whole bunch of things to be good enough for this person. And yeah, it sends you down the wrong path. What would be your first steps towards bringing yourself back to your authentic self, do you think? I think the, the first step is awareness, becoming aware of what's going on. And Usually the way that you do that, I always do with my clients is that we start from the current life situations problem. The person having either picking wrong partners or their relationship is not fulfilling, they're being abused, or they don't receive the love or they're not able to show the love that they desire. When you start from there and then you dig deeper, you understand the emotions and the experience that they're going through. For example, uh, you are not receiving the love that you want, you desire, and you reasonably expect of, from your partner, and you don't get it because you have a partner who is cold, who is emotionally unavailable, and you pick that person. You picked it unconsciously. Or even if the person was emotionally available in the beginning of the relationship, you behaved in a certain way, you encouraged not showing emotion to you, not being loving person toward you. But after a while, that becomes your, your enemy. You're not happy anymore. And when you dig deeper in the sadness, you realize that that person has been repeating the same pattern with his ex, with his uh, previous relationships, or with his parents, with his siblings. And when you go deeper in that, the person finds the root cause of the problem, root cause of pattern that goes back to childhood. If it is something the person is repeating over and over again, usually the problem is much deeper. It's not some techniques or tricks that you can learn and fix it quickly. Rather, something goes back to your childhood. And when you dig deeper in that being in with a cold partner in a relationship, goes back to the fact that the person had a cold parents. His parents were cold. They were rejecting. They were abandoning him. They didn't show and give the love that he needed as a child. If he finds a partner in his adulthood that who provide the same experience, he will be attracted to that person, that cold partner, because it's similar. So when the person finds this connection between the adult experience and the childhood, at the emotional level, first is going to be in the cognitive and logical level, that when the person has to get the insight that why is repeating the pattern that he's repeating. And the next level, much deeper level, is at the emotional level. And when I take my clients through that emotional journey, what happens that, like, neurologically, that the emotion, the, the memory, 
becomes more divided, more flexible to change. And you cannot get rid of one emotion just without replacing with another emotion. Rather, you need to replace one emotion with much more healthier emotion. For example, if you are in a relationship that you are not getting the love that you want and your automatic response is to become withdrawn, and withdrawn is unhealthy response because the, the love and the attention that you want, it won't get you that. And instead, what the response it has to be is that you need to reach for support, reach for safety, reach for love. And the way that you do that, instead of feeling withdrawn, you need to replace it with sadness. When you replace it with sadness and you feel that sadness that I'm sad because I'm not getting the love that I desire, that I want, and I need, and it's a reasonable desire. And when I'm sad, then I'm not going to withdraw. And instead, I'm going to reach to my partner that, look, I'm sad because you don't show me the love that I desire. I'm not able to show the love that I want to show you. And then when you reach through that vulnerable side of you, through sadness, then your partner might be more open to show you the love that you want. You're replacing that withdrawn, unhealthy primary emotion with much more healthier emotion, which is sadness. And then after that, when, you when the person replaces with the healthy emotion, the, the automatic response will become healthy. She will try with her, with her partner to get that emotion, to get that need met. And if she doesn't, she will find different healthy ways to meet that need because now she knows exactly what she needs. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Oh, wow. I love that. It's such a, an interesting process that you're using there. So what would be some signs that people would look for in themselves that they're not living their life authentically or what thoughts might they be having, things that have happened with clients of yours? One is a depression. Usually people are always sad or depressed that uh, I had a client, she was someone who was trained since her childhood to just become people pleaser. And she was doing anything she was abandoning everything that she wanted. She preferred to meet her husband and her children's need. And she never asked for anything for herself. And whenever I was talking to her, she was just depressed. She was complaining about the world being unfair, being unappreciative. And, and she didn't even know how to ask for what she wanted. She didn't even know that she has this option not meeting everybody's needs. She can ask for what she needs. That's one of the ways that you can see that the person 
has abandoned her true self. If you cannot say that between ice cream and gelato, which one do you prefer? Of course, you're going to abandon the most important part of yourself as well. What you believe in, what you prefer, what you want to do with your life. If you cannot pick the simplest decision of gelato and ice cream, how can you make big decisions and claim that preferences of yourself to your husband, to your children, to your boss? And that's one thing that you can see that the person has abandoned herself. And one of the common dreams that these people would see is that they would see themselves in dreams that either themselves or someone else, that the dead body is laying in front of them. Dead body is basically the, the, the true themselves, the true person in themselves that has died or they have killed it. And that's what their unconscious is trying to tell them, that you've, you've killed me. You've killed who I was. And now you're basically, you, you don't have me. I, I, I'm dead. And that's one of the common dreams that those people will see. Another way is that this depression will happen to people that they're more agreeable, they're more submissive. But if the person is more disagreeable or not submissive people, it will show up as more, more of anger or hate or resentment. Mm. And those people that they, you see that all the time in their life toward their partner, toward their children, they're angry, they're resentful. They have abandoned part of themselves that now they see everyone else around them responsible for it and they blame everyone. They take on other people through their anger, through their hate. And if you dig deeper through that below the depression is sadness. Sadness is the emotion for loss. If you have lost your true self, the primary emotion for that is sadness. For the second person that who is more disagreeable person or angry person, if you dig deeper, blow that anger, blow that hate, blow that resentment is again sadness. But the person doesn't let himself to feel sadness because that makes them feel weak and vulnerable. And because they don't want to feel weak, they cover it. They cover the main and primary emotion of sadness with anger because that makes them feel powerful in the moment. Mm, yes, I totally understand and relate to that. Yes, I saw something the other day where a question was asked to some women, what is it that makes you happy? What's something that you actually like to do? A lot of the women were not even able to answer that. They didn't know what they exactly. liked. They've abandoned themselves so far that they don't even know what they like because they're so busy fulfilling their partner and their children and everybody else's needs first. And we don't even really realize that that's happening at all. What do you think are some signs that we are actually beginning to live authentically? To that example that you mentioned, that if you ask those people, ironically, they will be able to tell you what their partners want, what is their perf like preferred like favorite food, what's their favorite color, what's their favorite clothes, anything, you name it, movies, they will be able to list the favorite things of the people in their lives, mm. but themselves. And again, because the, re the way that they do it, the reason that they do it is that they are so hypervigilant to understand what everyone else wants and needs, and their job and their responsibility is to meet them. Mm. They're so busy meeting other people's needs, and to do that, to truly do that, you have to be so sensitive to what other people feel and what they want. 
because you're so busy doing that, doing the service for everyone, not out of love, they confuse it usually with love, but out of fear of abandonment, fear of rejection. And what happens because they're so busy doing that, they abandon themselves. If you ask them, as you mentioned, it's so common. They don't know what their favorite color is, what, what their favorite food is, what their favorite like movie is. They don't know those answers. They may some list something, but it doesn't come from within. Sometimes even they will tell you what their movie is because they feel that that's your favorite movie, not theirs. They, mm. they just say it to please you. Once a person starts becoming their, their authentic self, their genuine self, is that they are more confident when someone asks what they want, they will be more confident about expressing their preferences. They are not afraid of expressing what they want and what they like when they display this light. It doesn't mean that being arrogant and trying to just like kind of scream at everyone, just this is what I want, this is who I am. No, in a much more grounded and more peaceful way that they are not afraid. Before they were afraid of telling who they are, now they are not afraid of it. Not only they are not afraid, they are open and free to do it. And they're also open and free in accepting of other people, telling them what they want, what they desire. It, depending on what type of person you are, that whether you are depressed in your relationship because you believe you feel that you're abandoned, you will start become more and more assertive. That will feel uncomfortable. That will feel foreign for you when you start doing that. But that's one of the techniques I teach is that start small. Just claim and express your preferences and what you want in a small situation. For example, if your husband asks you, that, do you want to go for a walk or for, to a movie? Just tell them what you want. Think for a moment. Sometimes you may not, may not know it. And the reason for that, because you've never tried in your life to know exactly what you want at the moment. Just pick one, but stick to it. And then you may try and go into a movie and you realize that, no, you don't like movie. You would have preferred to go for a walk. Next time he asks you, just tell them what you want. And as you go toward becoming your more authentic self, you will be able to express more and more of your preferences. And again, you're not trying to force other people to comply with what you want, rather telling them what you want, what you desire. If you can do those things with the other person, good. If not, you can stick to what you want, but it's not going to be abandoning yourself. It's not going to be abandoning because if you don't do it, you're afraid that your husband is not going to love you or your children are not going to love you. And if you're a person who covers sadness of losing your authentic self with anger, you will also not be accepting of others showing who they are. You will be angry. If someone acts and behaves in their authentic selves, usually those people irritate you because they remind you of what you're losing, what you're missing, what you don't have. But when you start becoming who you truly are and expressing and showing and behaving and being who your authentic self, you will be more accepting of others as well. Instead of being irritated by someone who is authentic, you will be enjoying seeing them being their authentic self. And you will understand that you are in the right path. You are in the path to become and live your authentic self. Mm, absolutely. And there's so much power in that, isn't there, to getting to that place where you're making your own decisions, you're living your life according to what you actually want. And that's not a selfish thing. That's that's actually 
an important thing. We have to live for ourselves and we can still be good people and we can still give and do all of those things, doing it from our authentic self rather than from somebody that's just doing it to please. And that's such a a beautiful place to be. So much of of healing is is leaving the past behind, isn't it? How can we learn to live in the present? Because we have a memory. We humans have a memory. So we cannot get rid of the past. Because we have frontal lobe, we cannot get rid of the future and just be in the this present and the second. Once we heal from our past, it's not a burden anymore. It's a memory. Some of them are happy memories. Some of them are sad memories. Some of them are painful memories. But it's not something that we carry with, with us. And the way that we do it is that we, when the, the process that I mentioned that I take my client through is that we start from the present life situation pain, and then we connect them to their past, to their childhood, if, we, if it is connected to their childhood. And once they go through this emotional journey, what happens is that they are able intellectually to extract any wisdom, any lesson that they have to learn from their past, once they do it, once they also emotionally feel and experience and relive that painful experience again, they can heal from their past wound. And, and then that becomes a lesson instead of becoming a pain, instead of becoming a traumatic event. Once you do this enough for major part of your life, your past, then you are able to free yourself from past. And now when you are living in the present, and instead of worrying about the future because of your past experience, for example, if a person lived in a poor family who wasn't financially stable, this person is going to be always under stress, worrying about the future, worrying that they're going to lose everything again, even though that they might be richest person in the world, they might be very successful financially, but they're always emotionally worried about losing everything that they have because of their past experience, because of their past painful experiences. Once they heal that, instead of worrying about the future, they will plan for future from whole perspective, not fear, not stress, not anxiety. So when you heal from the past, your future also becomes planning because we have the frontal lobe, we can get, get rid of it, and I'm not sure it's desirable to get rid of it then you can live in the present. You can learn from your past, you can plan for your future, and you can live in the present. That's the way that I believe you can live in present. Absolutely. And I think we we tend to look back at what's happened to us. And, and for good reason, we look back often and we have anger and blame towards our parents for the way that they treated us and, and what we went through. It's totally understandable, but it's not really helpful in in healing. How can we move past those feelings of anger and blame towards the people that have affected our childhood? So two things. One is that when, for example, you didn't have parents who loved you, showed you love and affection that you needed, and they should have shown you those love when you were little, when you were a child. And 
what you feel is that deep down you feel sadness, you feel depression, like de you feel depressed, right? And when you start understanding, realizing that, usually people, when they start that, that journey, they resist going through that process. And the reason for that is that they first deep down know that if they accept that, if they embrace that, that fact that they are sad and depressed because they were not loved as hard as a as child, that means that they're going to get angry at their parents. They're going to blame their parents. And because they feel guilty of blaming their parents, because they feel bad of being angry at their parents, they stop themselves. Their defense mechanism, mechanism turns on and they stop them from going and seeing that truth. But when you dismantle those defense mechanisms of the, the person, the person first starts replacing that sadness with anger. And that is inevitable part of healing journey, meaning that at the beginning, they will feel angry toward their parents. And it's okay. And it's fine. Theoretically, what's happening is that the symbol of their parents, the, the, the person that they're angry at is the symbol of their parents. When they realize this, I mean, this, this takes a long time to get this realization, but for, for a person who listens to this, just maybe this will make it easier for them to accept that anger and embrace that anger, is that you're not angry at your parents in the present. Rather, you're angry at the person in the past who doesn't exist anymore, and even your childhood doesn't exist anymore. But the, the reason that you're trying to do this is to understand objectively your past and your childhood. And to do that, you need to first allow the child to feel angry at that parent who deprived him of the love that he needed. So first they will feel, the person will feel angry, feel hate toward their parents. Once they do it, once they feel that anger and hate, then they will be able to see objectively their parents as another human, that they made mistakes. They didn't know any better, or they did what they did, and it's in the past. Okay? They cannot change the past. And when you realize this, you cannot change the past, it is so depressing. It is so difficult to accept that you cannot change your childhood. Whatever you lost, you lost. There's no way to bring it back. But what you can do is that to take the pain out of it, to learn from it, to understand what you went through as a child and you feel and relive those experiences. Once you do it, then you're past the, the phase that you're angry at your parents, that will pass too. This shall pass. Then what will happen is that you, once you get rid of all those anger and hate toward your parents, you will be able to feel true emotion that you have to your parents. Toward Most of the time, it's love. It is love and it's accepting. You will realize that you also made mistakes because you were human. You broke some hearts. You hurt some people along the way. The same way that your parents did. You will be able to understand that maybe your parents didn't know. They didn't receive the love. They had their own emotional traumas. They had their emotional problems. They were struggling with that. They didn't even realize the pain that they caused you. This is not justification of their behavior. What they did was wrong. Okay? It's not justification. Rather, seeing and observing them as objectively. And one of the ways that helps 
to heal and go through this process is writing a letter to your parent from that perspective of the child. In most cases, you should not, I recommend not to share in that letter with your parents, but to just write it for yourself. When you write it, all of those emotions will come out and that will help you to heal from the past. Instead of living and being stuck in your past and your childhood, that will allow venting and understanding your emotion and replacing that emotion with much healthier emotion and being able to heal from the past. And then the first part, because if you haven't gone through this journey, you don't know what's in, what's in at the end of the tunnel. And, but you know unconsciously that you feel anger toward your parents. That's, you know, unconsciously. That's why people resist to going through this process because they feel bad and guilty of feeling anger toward their parents. But I tell you, if you do this right, if you would do this with someone who knows how to lead you, how to guide you through this process, you will, you will pass this step. You will just pass this phase of feeling only angry and hate toward your parents. And then at the end, there's no one forcing you to feel love toward your parents. There's no one pushing you to do it. You will have the choice and freedom to feel whatever you want to feel toward your parents. That will be your choice, but and not dictated by your past. If you truly want to love your parents, if you truly want to have loving relationship with your parents, you have a choice. But you need to go first through this phase first to be able to truly love them. Otherwise, it will be cloudy. It will you will confuse other behaviors with love. You will confuse doing out of feeling guilty, feeling responsible feeling that you have to do it because that is right to do. And instead, you will show love out of love, which will be genuine love, something that you truly want to do. Yeah. And you deserve that, right? As a person, you deserve to come from that place in your life, to to stop living in this place where you feel the anger. And I, I, I see so many people that are just so stuck in that place of anger and they they probably will never move out of it their whole life because they're so angry and they're so stuck. But it's really a waste of your life, isn't it, when you mm-hmm. stay in that place because we only get one life. And the more that you allow that to affect you, then you're really ruining your your own life in the end by by not making a decision to to change it, mm-hmm. I guess. So Judd, you love helping people, it's obvious, through your coaching to break toxic relationship patterns and replace them with healthy patterns and in the process come back to their authentic selves. What are you offering for people that come and work with you? So right now, currently what I do is that I work with with individuals and one-on-one sessions. I have different programs that the main one that I offer is 10 weeks program. And what I do is that first, I have the first assessment session. And then based on that assessment, I give them different questionnaires that they fill out. And we figure out what the life traps that they have, what life trap, main life trap that they're struggling with. Either it's unrelenting standards, either it's abandonment, either it's abuse, either it's punitiveness, whatever it is, we understand those. There are also other questions that we look back at their childhood, how they were 
raised by their parents, what was their parenting style, their parents' parenting style, and how it affected the, my clients as a child. And those questions, I give them in between sessions. So I, we don't spend our one-on-one -on -one sessions on those questions. Rather, they take it outside, they think through it, and we discuss them in the one-on-one the, the -on -one session. And in addition to those questionnaires, I also have some training, uh, reading training, also the video that I've uh, recorded that explains different schemas or life tracks that they have. So they are educated on those. So the main goal of those training is that one, they become aware and educated about the terminologies, concepts, which makes our sessions much more fruitful and much more helpful. And through those, the one-on-one -on -one session, I work with them that they first understand cognitively and analytically what they, the pattern that they're repeating, what are the root cause of it. The second is through their emotional healing and emotional understanding, which is the, the main part that the healing happens. Logically, you can understand, you may understand what your problem is, but if you are not healed emotionally, you will keep repeating while having the insight about your problems. But when you emotionally heal, which is the main part of what I do with my client, then you will be able to stop that unhealthy and dysfunctional pattern that you've been repeating since your whole life and you formed it in your childhood. And the third phase is once you analytically and logically understand your problem, you emotionally heal, then you have a choice to replace your unhealthy patterns with healthy alternatives. If you were always picking unhealthy, emotionally unavailable, abusive partners, now you know how you do it, what triggers you to do it, what is the alternative to not to pick those partners. When you're attracted to those partners, what not to do and what to do. And instead, attract and build relationship that your partner and you are not abusive, you are emotionally available, you show the love genuinely that you feel and they, you also accepting of true love from your partner. Mm, it all sounds so good. Are you working with mainly men or is it men and women? Men and women, yes. I work with both. Okay. And where can we find you? So I have Facebook, Instagram account that my Instagram account is underscore Sajad, S-A-J-A-D dot Vahedi, V-A-H-E-D-I. And when you come to my Facebook Instagram account, you don't have to sign up. I have a lot of free content that you can use. And if you resonate and you feel that I can help you, you can book a free session. First session is free. That's for me to understand your problem and also see that if I can help your specific problem. If I cannot help you, I can uh, refer to someone else who will be able to help you. And also for the, my clients that they want to see if they resonate with my uh, method, with me personally, and the way that I work with, with my clients. And also, in, if you go to my Instagram, you can access to my website and also my Facebook account as well. Okay, fantastic. Well, I will put the links to all of Sajad's offerings in the show notes. Sajad, thank you so much for sharing your story. And you're just an incredibly positive example, especially for men, about 
connecting with their emotions and how important that is because when you as a male connect with your emotions, you are changing the lives of other men and the women around you because we're breaking those cycles, aren't we, of expectation and of shutting down emotions. And so thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with us today. Thank you. Yes. When we break the cycle that was passed on to us, and not to repeat it for ourselves and for our next generations. That's the best we can do. And if we do it, if we are able to do it, that's that's profound and that's fantastic. And thank you, Don, for having me. And I, I really enjoyed our conversation and looking forward to another uh, call or session that uh, we may have in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week.